Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Girls, hold on to your asses.
going? On Recon, it's your friend, Obnoxious Prick here. I hope you're well. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Strange Recon. I am so glad you're here with me this morning on Veterans Day. It is now 9.05 in the heart of the Hockamock. We are streaming live worldwide. Thank you, audio listeners. Thank you, everyone in the YouTube chat already going. I appreciate it. Everyone on the audio side, remember, you could be a massive help to the show. Um, you could, you could help birth one of my hybrid babies. No, uh, you could uh, do me a massive favor by leaving that like and uh, subscribe. Yada yada yada. Leave a positive review. Listen, rate, review. Tell me I'm ugly as fuck. I don't give a shit as long as there's a decent review there. The back setup, I don't care. Anyways, recon. Let's talk about a little stuff going on in the world today, specifically uh, James Fox's film and a uh, little news from China. And then, of course, we're going to get back in the uh, time machine. We're going to get back in the Delorious. And we're going to go back to 1978 to talk a little skeptical inquirer. I thought the, uh, the, the article was interesting because... NASA, everyone won't shut up about NASA and their new UFO study group. And there was something that just, other than like trying to like lay a conspiracy on everything, which is really hard not to do now that you know that, you know, manipulating context is just like an art form that the public simply has never been taught. Um, but, you know, NASA has been supporting the CIA for a long time. I mean, they were like launching stuff in space without us knowing. Astronauts were seeing it, reporting it as UFOs. And we never got any clarity on it because they were in full support of the intelligence community. I, I don't see why NASA would suddenly come to the public's rescue on disclosure. We're going to talk about that and more. All that good jazz. Thank you, everyone, for being here. I appreciate it. Good jazz. First off, I don't like jazz. I think it's stupid. It sounds like multiple animals are being injured at one time. And no, I'm, I don't think it's stupid. I don't think it sounds like multiple animals injured at one time. But I do think anyone who likes it should be locked up. Anyways, again, today's Veterans Day. Let's get this day going. Try not to thank a veteran on Veterans Day. Try to ask the veteran's name. Try to ask what they worked on, what they did in the military. Try to try to ask what battles they fought and if they're interested in that. Try to ask what men or women they fought alongside or lost. But whatever you do, do me a massive favor. Use this as your last Veterans Day, where you walk around with a standard thank a veteran, and I appreciate everyone who's thanking, you know, thank a veteran. This one, I, th I, I thank you for even, I, I'm serious, it's not a negative thing to thank a veteran, but we can do better today from now on because thanking a veteran is a standard response that that is helpful, I suppose, and kind of moral support, but it takes the actions, the sacrifices, the good intentions. The, the the story all out of it and replaces it with i've thanked them i've done my job now i'm not saying that you, you owe veterans anything in fact i think the opposite veterans knew what they were doing when they were joining and anyone who was tricked by the romantic bullshit of you becoming a hero well that's your own fault i'm sorry the fact of the matter is is that you know i, I personally believe that thanking a veteran is a nice effort but one of the best things you can do is you can ask the veteran's name you know you can ask who they are why they're a veteran you know why they are in the position it doesn't matter just anything it's super helpful 
And uh, for everyone who has thanked me again today, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, please, by all means. Uh, I'm, by, I'm not saying that. I just mean I thank you for saying what you said. I appreciate it. You know, I worked my ass off in the Salvation Army. I have like five deployments back there. You have no idea the slices, the, the, the prices I saw sliced. Dorothy Hawkins with a super chat already. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dorothy, for being such a wonderful uh, support. Uh, person here on the team jack blair thank you for saying happy veterans day i appreciate it. i hope that didn't me sound like i was uh, mad at anyone who, who said that thank you so much uh ladies and gentlemen for some reason i was tagged in the fox by j uh post by james fox last night and i have no idea why uh but let's just say things felt a little dicey for a while there i'm thinking oh god at what point am i gonna hear this hear something about this but i don't know Anyways, uh, Dorothy, again, thank you so much for the super chat. Thank you for supporting the show and really keeping us afloat here. Because honest to God, this is we're entirely busking. We're busking at this point. We're not we're not doing the Patreon. We're not doing anything else. We're busking. So thank you, Dorothy. Thank you so much. Let's get the show going. When we get back, we'll talk about some modern day stuff. And then we'll get in the time machine and head back to 1978, where we all were different then. I wasn't even alive. I'm saying. This is Race Hobbs, head of programming over at the Unex Network, and I want to thank you for listening to my good friend, Jeff Kingsbury, on Strange Recon, right here on the X. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. Oh, f I can't believe you've done this. Get ready for a surprise! Welcome, Strange Recon. I am here to discuss the so called flying saucers. You're out of your f mind. It is nothing more than a well, the observation balloon. Of course, which we, we both knew differently. Now, I saw that. I don't give a goddamn what anybody else says about it. I saw that on film. Phil Clasp, he kissed my ass. He wasn't there. I was. When you know all the names in every language of that bird, you know nothing, but absolutely nothing about the bird. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. All right, boys and girls, cats and kittens and pooches and pound puppies. Today is November 11th. I'm not sure if you're aware, but big, bad, scary wants to rule the world again one day. China promised to unveil their newest death machine that could turn America into a boiled squash. What you got, you bastards? Remember the War Zone released an article a few years ago on this very topic. Um... It was the first flight of China's H-20, the still yet to be seen, really. I mean, it hasn't really yet. There's been plenty of photographs of, of, of drones that look very similar to a cut-down, redu reduced version, but very riveted up, um, kind of like a B-20. I don't know. It kind of looked like a B-2. Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll show you what we got. Uh, uh, but uh, Thomas Nudick over at... Um, Thanks to put my name in on. I was a new kid. Never mind. Uh, Thomas Newdick published July 8th, 2022. It was this year. 
uh, that uh, the China was going to put their their this thing out there. Um, he uh, he posted a bunch of photos, and of course, China's promo video. If you'd like to see it, I'll drop that in the chat for you now. Of course, I don't want you to take off to read it now, but uh, maybe I'll leave in the show notes. Um, and uh, it was um, it's to, it's it, it's it's believed that this will be the, basically their uh, you know low altitude bomber uh that's that would compete with the b2 spirit um of course b21 is about to come out in a moment uh or really i think it already has technically i'm not even know but either way i'll leave it in the show notes so you can read that but check it out china announced it a few days ago on all their all their um you know their public news and stuff that they actually sanction that would be considered kind of like direct statements from the government they said november 11th was the day and it's today so what's up china let's see what you got I'm treating this kind of like a civil war. Holy shit, Jamet Malibu, thank you very much for the super chatter. Thank you, Jamet Malibu. And Dorothy Hawkins, oh, setting the bar high today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, especially on this Veterans Day. I, I can't wait to go down to the soup kitchen to spend this money. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, I, Jamet Malibu and Dorothy Hawkins, two people that are constantly the core uh foundations of the show and keeping it upright along with rob and a few others out there you know who you are thank you so much for really helping keeping the show going for so long because you in fact are this money goes right to pay that's not free to do unfortunately i wish it was i wish all i needed was a microphone and internet connection but unfortunately it costs stuff to put this out anyways uh uh thank you again jimmy Melba. seriously big time that's a big deal to me ten dollars is a i know it's a lot of people out there it's like ten dollars so what to me it's a freaking huge deal I don't know if you know about uh, people that have a hard time. Never mind. But thank you so much. All right, folks. China said they're going to do this. I'd like to see it in the show notes. You'll see the Warzone article that Nudic put out uh, about four months ago, three months ago now. And uh, and uh, it's, it seems pretty interesting because it's a, it, once again, what do you know? It's claiming, they're claiming it to be an optimized version, stolen essentially from the U.S., of way better version, refined um signature reductions cut way down they're adding the new quantum technologies to it as in their communication abilities and their uh satellite communication capabilities i mean china is doing a lot in a short time and whether we like it or not we're gonna have to face the facts that we have a competitor back on the planet that is akin to the soviet union they might not be equal to us we might have literally people in the programs where they're developing these secret technologies that are just feeding it back to us in secret ourselves. We, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that we have to come to terms with the fact that China is the number one manufacturer and exporter of drones out there, stealth drones and all types of stuff. So they're going to fall within the realm of ufology all the time. And for all the people that can't differentiate, that cannot shut the front door up about the goddamn paintings or the cave art or the stories or the or the or the airships they just cannot stop they're so broken it's unfortunate even with their own experiences um you're gonna have to logically and 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 rationally embrace the drone topic because now it's mixed right in there the goddamn things look like the ufos they used to be you know you're just gonna have to do it i'm sorry i mean it sound too rude too early but um, for God's sakes, if I hear a, another uh, person respond to the New York Times article with, oh, yeah, the Chinese were really showing themselves to an African tribe 1,200 years ago, you fucking idiots over there, freaking anti-disclosure idiots. It's like, dude, 
Where in any of that stuff do you see them talking about tribes and their cave art and star people? What the F in the cat shit are you talking about? And that's just ufology today. You know why? Because they had people go around for years now. I mean, obviously for decades, but especially for the last five years. Those people now that are mad that that happened are wondering, what? I don't understand. Why are people acting like there's this unknown threat out there when we go on the news and podcast basically daily, nine, ten of them a day, to tell everyone there's an unknown threat and we got to freaking tie up this loose end before we're in trouble, folks. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and so, like, you know, they did that. And now they don't know why they, they get all this negative attention, including skeptics that came along and was like, I think you're full of shit. Anyways, we have that problem to overcome. Um, let's, uh, but if you're interested in that article about the Chinese and the UAP thing, please look it up. It's obviously a major issue. Thank you so much, Ram Malibu. I like to busk. Um, um, but next real quick, I want to talk about, uh, before we move on, this is the tonight show. We're just wrapping fire in segments until we get to where we're going. 1978. Um, John M. Powell, another fucking fire post, man. This guy is the man. First off, the dude loves to do the YouTube shorts. If you're not following at John M. Powell one on Twitter, you are a fool. I don't know if you're a fool. That's not true. But this guy is, um, first off, he's he's showing us, you know, the, the progress that a lot of people will deny ever took place. He's released photos and stuff of that progress. And all the years back, JP, I think it's JP Labs has um, has worked on uh, JP Aerospace. Sorry. And um, and it's absolutely unbelievable. And of course, he just put out something we've talked about on the show before. Project Hazel. If you're into Project Hazel. My, if you're in, if you don't know what that is, just remember that when people talk about how blimps can't go fast, and that's why the TR3B and also the shit could be blimps and they could be dirigibles and just going real slow, it could be. But just remember that they have made dirigibles that are rigid and they're fucking fast as hell. And sometimes they can make uh, gliders and stuff that take off from dirigibles. There's all types of stuff out there that we don't even talk about anymore because it just seems so far-fetched that people just reject it. But guys like John M. Powell are the engineers and scientists actually working on it and are making now hit little viral YouTube shorts, which... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If that doesn't inspire curiosity in a field that basically no one knows about, I don't know what will. The guy's like, fucking great at i'll probably get a hit for doing this but let's play one on here real quick because honestly he 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 is nailing it with this i really hope he keeps it up this guy is really exposing something that people just think you know it's like people just think that blimps became blimps or dirigibles became dirigibles whatever there's bags of gas or something and that's their evolution they didn't change much they look like big things in the sky and now they advertise for good year or something or or or, or, or hood the hood ice cream blimp 
if that's the way you approach topics that you're researching, that's why we're stuck in ufology today. Look at the other stuff they did or the term raccoon. It's insane. There's this whole history of exactly what we've been talking about. Of course, I got it way wrong, but I was kind of on. I kept saying we probably are using some sort of you know, dirigible or ion lifter in the sense that the dirigible would counter the weight of the batteries and they were lifting things up and secretly launching stuff without knowing, but it was far more, it was like, it was exactly what, like, I don't know, it's crazy. Like I try to like overthink it and like try to like future engineer it in my head, but literally it was a balloon with a tether on it and a fucking mortar tube with a rocket shooting out. Simple as that. Obviously they have a lot of things, other things going on. Um, the telemetry of where this, you know, they need to be able to acquire this, the systems on board and all that stuff. But literally, like, I had this big idea. And, you know, if you look at his new work, it kind of looks like that big idea that my, that I was, you know, my stoner ass came up with. But um, if you look at the stuff he's putting on Twitter, you should be, you should be um, excited to, to, to see and get your curiosity, uh, you know, inspired a little bit because it's just, there's this whole avenue of secret military stuff that we never really think about because we constantly think of loud engines fast moving stuff that has to figure out a way to reduce their signature because they're loud engines and stuff or like you know we know about common rocket launches for space we know about exit velocity you know people for years are like why don't we just use balloons to get to space because that ain't quite how it works but again the question is answered in a context that dismisses the idea that balloons are used to get to space which it can't they can be you can achieve a, a, a exit velocity with less mass in an aircraft from much higher elevation on a perpendicular, uh, parallel to ground uh, launch. Well, I'm saying parallel to ground because that's a basic way to think about it, but it seems like it's a, it's a, it's an obvious route. Rather than, of course, taking off vertically in a short space, they're taking off parallel with the ground, gaining as much speed, and then whoop, and going right out. And what do you know? Rob said, most other shows refuse to accept it. Uh, yeah, we talked about that the other day. And uh, when it, it's just, the problem is, is that they, they, it's the differentiate between the topics. I don't think that most people can't accept it. Although I just found something shocking this morning. You think people contribute to Twitter a lot. I just put someone's name in Google search and it one of these people Rob are talking about. And they have like, like thousands of TikTok hashtags about disclosure and activism and all this stuff. And it's just, it's just fucking nuts. It's, it's, it's just nuts. But yeah, they, 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 you know, they just refuse to believe it. They, I don't think they refuse to believe that we can do some of these things. I just don't think they have the capability of understanding that more than one topic can be discussed at one time or, or you can use a term, but be specific and assume that they know you're being for example, UAP being the classic one. Everyone wants to use UAP right now, but they don't understand why uh, the government also uses UAP and they're using it for something else. And they're mad about people bringing it up now. They just don't understand it. They literally don't get it and they reject it and want to kill you. Some of these other podcast hosts, they run like their activism discussion groups and they're, in my opinion, unstable like myself. I can smell my own kind, but they're unstable, like not like in the dance down the street way. Don't care if anyone's watching. They're unstable in the I'm a fucking psycho who should absolutely seek medical help. But instead I'm being fed by other people telling me that of course, of course this is all exactly what you're talking about. And the voices you're hearing the disclosure is about the voices you're hearing. Anyways, go look up uh 
go look, go jump way back in this conversation 10 minutes ago where I started uh, and, and look up John M. Powell and stuff and see that there are people. I mean, there's a picture by him. I, I think I still have it. Just look at this picture here. We talk about things like like in the intro to this, this show, you'll hear in the intro music. Um, I know what I saw on camera. Phil Class can kiss my ass. Um, that professor is talking about his experience down at Vandenberg Air Force Base when he sees a UFO on film allegedly shoot a direct energy weapon and knock a mock, a dummy round out of the air. They were there. They were using to capture it. Now, the funny thing is, is that this guy, John Powell, working on the rockets and the balloons and stuff, this guy actually posts videos of his research and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that that, you know, uh, Jacob there is um, is lying about this thing. I believe him actually about the rocket being shot out of the air. I don't care. It's uh, not that far fetched to me, uh, but the the um, the this guy actually posts pictures and stuff of their research, and one of them is not only fucking beautiful, but it just shows you that that there are photo documentation out there of things far away happening, and, and when then when they're captured, they look like rather mysterious. If we didn't know what this was, we would we you know honestly we probably would never know, but. Um, I mean, I'm sure we could take a guess, but I'm trying to find this photo of the rocket hit it, blowing up a balloon uh, through the telescope. He posted, it is unbelievably cool looking. Oh my God, where is it? He brought it up and now I'm not going to be able to find it. That's what I do. I mention things and then completely disregard that I... Or even know where they're at. Jesus Christ, I'm an idiot. Oh, here it is. Sweet. Look at this picture right here. From Life. It's in Life magazine. I didn't even know. But here's um, you know, the history of some of this field. But look at this picture captured, and he released this guy, John M. Powell, on on Twitter. Please follow this guy. I don't know him at all. I have no reason to support him really, <clears throat> but he is. I mean, he just brings stuff back up that, that points to the, the research that we don't even know about and stuff like that. Now, of course, weather balloons are always considered UFOs. Look at this thing. This it. I saw a jellyfish. I saw. I'm not. I'm not saying there are not UFOs that are could be ET. Relax, okay. I'm saying that for years, pictures of clear weather balloons from underneath them are taken of the orbs and stuff like that. Here's a picture of a rocket going through one. It's freaking awesome. No stories about you know. Oh, I watched uh, the military attack a UFO or anything like that. He's just a effing scientist working and doing his job, an engineer, scientist, engineer. I don't know what you call him, a sen engineer. No, no. Um, but clearly, uh, JP Aerospace um, has their foot in in the subject we're talking about. Again, if you want to get really basic, and and he's been interviewed for alien sh alien shows before, like people that are super into the alien, and and he. They've asked him, you know, hey, what's up with, uh, is it possible? I think it was the war zone that asked him. I think it was Tyler Rogaway. Or it was Trevor Thick. And they said, could it, could your one of your balloons been, been confused for the Phoenix Lights thing? And, he, and, he, and though they were working on it back then, he doesn't believe them to be that to be this, the case. The fact of the matter is, is that <laughs> we know this, uh, especially with cheap things um, like dirigibles. He could have produced proof of concept, even been continuously funded in continuous projects. And have large hangers and everything, and yet somewhere else, the government is basically taking all of his work and having someone else put, you know, put their stuff into it, uh, put their uh, put their time and effort into it, you know, to remedying that that uh, that the problems that they faced in secret without him ever even knowing. I think that's very possible. But either way, regardless, 
the guy's got all types of interesting stuff. That's all I'll say about that. Anyways. Hey, veteran of the moment. Today's Veterans Day. So here's veteran of the moment. Mr. Juan Velasquez, Puerto Rican who served in the United States military. Became a great team leader. Veteran of the moment, of the minute. I don't know what I just said there. But this is Juan, served alongside of him. Dude had multiple deployments, was a great leader, executed each mission, uh, each mission well. And um, and was a professional while while working, but but had a great personality while off. And uh, so this is Juan Velasquez right here. Uh, that's the veteran. That's their name. That's their kit. That's them while working. Also, I think he's a black belt in a bunch of different martial arts. Veteran of the moment. We might hit a couple of those up on the way through the show. Who knows? Anyways. Uh, Taking a look back here um, at some of the recent topics being uh, harpied on by ufology. We've talked about the H-20 from NASA, uh, from China. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a message from someone named Revel or comment some Revelation Rundown who has a blue check mark on Twitter. And uh, how many followers does this person have? Oh, a thousand. Okay, they're doing good for themselves. There you go. Keep up the misinformation. That's great. <laughs> I love the ultimate ad hoc reasoning behind anyone who wants to fight anyone who questions the information that is this, this alleged evidence. And that is, um, it, they'll, they'll always say to you, Oh, yeah, prove to me how Chinese drones are defying the laws of physics. How about you prove to me something's defying the laws of physics, jackass? What is the laws of physics? Are you? Are, do you think that the universe called us on the phone when we, were, when we were little baby humans and told us the laws of the universe? Or are, are you aware that we observe things that are repeatable, predictable, and, and rather unbreakable when it comes to, well, not all the time, but when it comes to, uh, you know, just how <laughs> repeatable it is and predictable it is those are the laws of physics. The observed things that seemingly cannot be defeated as of yet. But doesn't... <laughs> do you think a tree called us? Here's the laws of carbon clumped together in the form of earth hair. Please follow these laws while around me. Anyways, yes. Anyone who's talking about drones, by the way, is, is just providing ignorant drabble. Prove to me how they're not defying the laws of physics. Show me drones that can defy the laws of physics. I heard this on a UFO TV show in 1997. How the hell is a gosh dang freaking, you know, quadcopter defying the laws of physics? Mic drop. Skeptics. Sorry. Defying the laws of physics. Boy, oh boy, I love that line. The final ad hoc move by the UFO disclosure boss. <laughs> the UFO disclosure. Shink, shink. Tell me how these drones are defying the laws of physics. You want me to explain to you 
something that can't be explained to you by the people that are alleging it to be real. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe later I'll explain to you uh, that, uh, you know, why rainbows are cotton candy and why, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. No, I don't know. It's uh, it's crazy to me. Hey, who saw this website that's uh, Dreamland uh, HTML here, whatever it's called, um, is making the rounds, making a famous dreamlandresort.com. Allegedly, the guy had two of his homes raided um, and he's the one that always provides airborne photographs that are used quite often by journalists um, of Area 51 and the areas. And he made a bunch of posts, or uh, people did, saying the website was, uh, the, the, the owner was being raided. He must have captured something from one of the airfields that uh, was illegal to have, and he had posted it. And um, so the guy that owns dreamlandresort.com, uh, Joe RG or Jorg, I don't know um a member admin since 2010 i guess i don't know someone said that on reddit and and people or he's the webmaster since 2010 or 2000 he's been the webmaster for 22 years almost 23 years now um okay i have regained control over my assets in the dlr um this is this is the, the website admins or webmasters post as of november 7th 2022 at 1950 okay i've regained control over my assets and the dlr website so here goes. In case anyone is curious, last this is what he says. This doesn't necessarily mean the truth. Um, the last Thursday, last Thursday, very early in the morning, my homes in Rachel and in Vegas were searched by a combined team of FBI and Air Force Office of Special Investigations. I will spare you the details, but it got quite tense and humiliating for me and Rachel and my girlfriend in Vegas. All my laptops, phones, memory sticks, cameras, drone, and other items were seized. When it was all over. I was left in Rachel with two broken doors, broken furniture inside the house, and zero means to communicate. Our Vegas home fared a little better with only a broken front door, torn down blinds, and torn down blinds. Sorry. Each location saw that at least 15 and 20 agents rummaging through our homes, and about eight, and about eight vehicles showed up. Needless to say, it was a uh, spectacle for curious neighbors, both in Rachel and in Vegas. In the process, I lost all my data, medical files, financial and tax records, and everything. On top of that, I am stuck with thousands in costs for repairs and replacement of the most essential electronics and expected legal fees. I will speak with an attorney tomorrow about how to proceed. To the best of my knowledge, I have not broken the law. The search warrants are not very specific, but aerial photos of Area 51 and other installations came up repeatedly. So I have taken those down for now to defuse the situation. Why am I sharing this? Question mark. First, I want to avoid any more speculation. And secondly, I'm concerned that overzealous government agents will may, may use bogus charges against me to send messages. Send a message. Putting the truth out there cannot hurt. Thanks for listening. I will not respond to personal emails or posts in this matter. And there's like seven things uh, by a guy named The Skunk or Joe Buckman or Pod or Duke Zipper, J.A. or Salty from all posts from 2022, recently too, that were removed, all photos. So it was, it was from 11, 1107 to 1109, there was uh, uh, photographs, aerial photographs somehow. I don't know how that's even done. I thought that all was like blocked off and stuff. So I don't know. No, damn multiple houses ufology pays off yeah i don't know i don't know if you want that from ufology but i will say it does seem to be an adage that that people use i think it's not because they 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 
they're not a lot of people use you can't make any money off of like ufo books and stuff like that um because i don't think they've quite adapted not they're not doing it ignorantly like trying to be shysters or something like that i really don't not the majority of people i think they're actually just uh stuck in like the mid 90s writer lecture income stuff and now you clearly see this people I mean, you got people that are like own part of companies and then go pretend they're doing journalism on behest of those uh, oh no uh, their objective standalone people meanwhile they're like <laughs> every article they release is entirely in support of an organization that is clearly out for profits so i don't know but with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus yeah, so look out for that uh, that website of that guy there, um, Jorg. Jorg, he was on Twitter talking about it, or someone talked about it. And I know a lot of people go to this website. I'm not really interested in it, but dreamlandresort.com um, is the website. It's an HTML. It's been there uh, for 20, uh, 24 years. More than that, more than that. And um, it's been, you know, changed hands a couple times, but it works off of donations, allegedly. And, well, people um love all that stuff the black projects tab and all that stuff there's a bunch of other stuff on there that would be kind of obnoxious i'd suppose i suppose if you were you know trying to run counterintelligence on some of the things that are being flown and tested there and you've got this person with a very other popular website that just nails it right away no again i understand both sides of the argument but as a military person i don't see the benefit in exposing your own forces assets if it puts national security in jeopardy, and I'm not saying national security as described by those in closed door, you know, programs that are allowed to define for themselves, as we've seen through Homeland Security that are the NSA that could not provide one example of where phone taps actually change things. And all like 14 examples they provided were dismissed and reduced down to one. And that went on for like three years. And they proved that was made falsified, falsified evidence to make it true. And so we know that, a lot of it is over protection, but in, overstepping. But I don't see, I don't see the benefit in 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 doing that. Like I'm not a super fan. I'm not a super fan of that whatsoever. And, uh, and that's what that guy does. He's one of these people that sit with a total photo uh, photo uh, telephoto lens and a drone, and you know. I mean, I guess I'm a fan of the war zone, and the war zone has posted pictures, overhead shots of of Area 51. They've even posted what they believe this to be the 6th Gen fighter sitting in a hangar. People, well, yeah, that's because the war zone gets stuff leaked to them, quote-unquote leaked to them. Anyways. Uh, let's back up here. We'll get rid of uh, the NASA stuff. We'll get rid of the stuff. Oh, it's so-and-so's. 
It's so-and-so's birthday. Or birthday, Jesus. No, he's dead. Hey, folks. I'm looking back through the people that won Nobel Prizes. Um, I'm looking back through uh, a catalog of individuals. I made a post on Twitter. No one really knew what I was talking about. And essentially, it was like, are there examples of people that have invented something that have avoided defense funding, alleged, well, we might not even know about that, in, in order to pursue more peer review in, in accolades? And if I could figure out that, that might help me uh, in certain things to figure out, uh, you know, uh, how some of the stuff is seeded or approached or how these people approach, how they get information on this topic of breakthrough innovations or revelations on their research that they've been doing for 40 years after they're suddenly on a defense budget. It, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Maybe money was always the cause. But I was looking up the guy. Remember we talked about the human-made tractor beam? The human-made tractor beam? Well, there's more work being done on optical tweezers, and now it's done with both both optical tweezers and ultrasound, just like we were suspected, just like we suspected. And now there's bigger things being picked up than ever. This guy invented the ability to move objects completely invisibly with low tensile strength lasers, organic material, even touch viruses and move them around and stuff like that. And um, and now with ultrasound, they've combined the two, and it's looking pretty neat. I'll put it in the, the show notes after. But that guy, is, uh, he's passed away now, but uh, you know he, he's one of these individuals that seemingly developed this and released this and it made it to peer review and everyone talked about it without it ever becoming a defense spending thing. But I wonder if there's something there we can pick up on, some anecdote that might help us in our research. He's on the list of things, uh, the list of people to look out for when it comes to where he gets his money. And I, I have him on my list and his name popped back up as a remember the guy that invented the tractor beam. And I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, what is this? Oh, I just got an, an, a Google tag of the, of a, someone said, Oh my God, this is gnarly. I was joked around the other day about monks that like tried to like, um, No, it, it's it's a 109-year-old Buddhist monk um, playing with a little kid, but he looks just like a skeleton. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Someone had it said to me yesterday that there was people that meditated to the point where they didn't eat food or water or whatever. Uh, and that was a disturbing sight. The guy looks like a legit skeleton sitting there on the bed. And I thought it was fake. Anyways, sorry. Looking through these tags here, closing them off. Hey, again, I just want to bring up, I'm seeing once again the geniuses of the aviation experts of, of ufology. I'm not talking about the people that just claim to be aviation experts. I'm talking about the alleged aviation experts who write UFO books, who clearly misinform the people they read to sensationalize the work of ufology and yada, 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 embellishing every case without having any real sources and whatnot. But like to put it out there, there was no strange looking weird stuff that anyone would confuse uh, with maybe an alien craft, especially if it was unmarked or whatever. Let's look back at 1948 at the Curtis Proposal 2. Hmm. Let's look back in 1948. Because it, was it wasn't just in development. If you know what Curtis, Curtis was in full deployment here. 1948, the Curtis Proposal 2. Let's see if anything's weird looking about this object that might be whizzing through the neighborhood. <laughs> or off, off, not being tracked properly. 
1948. We're talking about the D-21 and stuff and flying at high elevations at extreme speeds, overcoming issues of thermodynamics. Well, they know about those issues and they tried to tackle them because of things like this. A complete test craft entirely made to gather information and never really at the time was being considered to be a major asset. This thing was stuck under the wing of a stratofortress the exact same way in 2004 November the, the speed records are, were, were destroyed the exact same way we launch a series of hypersonic glide bodies the exact same way we developed all of those things this thing was developed except it was being developed in the mid to late 40s all these different things and all their job was to do was to gather data about flights and go that's uh uh, th this system itself came before the appropriate um, uh, ramjet style was being developed. So this is early models of it, but it wasn't looking so great. But, it, you know, it, it did it, it. They tested it. But the point of the matter is, is that this is 1948. Do, 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 can, we, can we think of what 1948 looked like via the public's technology or the infantry level technologies out there? 1948. Do, do you remember that giant war that just happened? The drone war that took place between London and Germany and the major war. <laughs> Does anyone remember? This this thing looks like it's straight out of sci-fi today. Imagine, that looks like the Cormorant, but with a different you know style to it. It looks like modern day you know transmedia, as the Chinese would call it, transmedium craft. Look at the flaps on it. The recognition that these things didn't really need a full-size tail came right after the test of this. This is 1948, my friends. For all the people... Oh, wait, does anyone see a cockpit on here? A real one? No. Because it was a drone in 1948 flying around Southwest America at high speeds. What happened in 1947 that has people shitting their britches all the time in ufology, every day. Humans could do that back then. Where that butterfly? I'm gonna get you. <laughs> Come here, you. I'm gonna get you, butterfly. I'm, I'm a, I'm smart. I know my history. I'm an aviation expert in ufology. Come here, you. I'm gonna get you. 1948. All of the backlash about humans can't do that. Drones are new. We didn't fly things at high elevation, at fast speeds. Oh, my freaking Lord, folks. Could you imagine if one of these smashed into the ground outside of someone's ranch in Corona, uh, New Mexico? And uh, what do you know? We have a cover story for something that would be rather shocking to the public. Examples every day of why you're wrong. It doesn't matter how many times you're shown. You don't give a shit and you move on. Because humans can't do that. No. Humans can't do that no more. Humans never could. 
aliens are misunderstood. All I know is that humans barely know how to fly. All right, anyways, uh, last thing before we go back in the time machine, I think. Well, second to last thing here, I believe. Um, Gilat, G-I-L-A-T, world-leading UAV manufacturer, selects Galat and multi-year, multi-million dollar strategic agreement for UAA, UAV terminals. We've been looking for things like this, and one popped up yesterday, November 10th, on the Google Tags, um, which the multi-million dollar strategic agreement for UAV terminals. Uh, this is uh, out of Israel, this article, but it's a it's a Galat Satellite Network Limited, uh, a worldwide leader in satellite networking technology solutions and services, announced today that it has entered a multi-year, multi-million dollar strategic framework agreement with a world-leading UAV manufacturer. You can read the article, it'll be in the show notes, but the important thing to pick up here is that the world is recognizing domain control is far better than hoping to shoot every one of these little fuckers out of the air because there's going to be literally millions of them. And what do you know? Another organization working on a universal control system and logistics and understanding and and just being able to essentially be aware of all the data that can be gained all through one system but it's also decentralized somehow. Um, and and they've this organization right here has selected um, the satellite network uh, to, to support these drone manufacturers. This is a time where beyond line of sight drones will take over. A person sitting in their mom's basement can fly a bunch of drones around on their computer on the other side of the planet. I'm not sure if you, you know, DJI Mavics and things like that tend to be, you know, the, the, the systems come to you, but you need to be in range. Proximity is 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 uh, is too far, and the thing uh, it will fall out of the sky, or at least direct itself back to point of origin, yada, yada, yada. The balloon wars will come soon. Actually, the balloon wars actually already happened. It's in the United States. If you're not sure, Party City fought uh, all the Halloween stores that show up temporarily. <laughs> Never mind. That was stupid. <clears throat> hey, um, now nah, we won't hit this up, but let's talk about one last thing before we move into the Wayback Machine here. Into the time machine and talk about 1978. The last thing we're going to talk about is no, not a man being arrested for trying to split atoms in his kitchen. We're going to talk about the long relationship. I'm not going to talk long about that's for sure, but I just quickly two topics here. Um, In support of James Fox's, um, the people telling him that there's a American helicopter or something or American forces showed up at a military base outside of Vagina, Brazil, and took over the base instantly. In support of that. we have to think of that context. Now, to me, that ain't happening on its own. There's no way a goddamn United States military helicopter is showing up unannounced to a military base and say, everyone stand down. No. That's stupid and makes no goddamn sense. But there is a long history of connections, secret connections guerrilla warfare, military coup connections, presidential connections, general connections. The CIA, Army Special Forces, and a lot of other groups have had a long history with um, with people in Brazil, so much so that they, they've had generational history. 
people that have taken over governments, people that have taken over military, like like whole militaries essentially have have not in any way been owned or run by the US government, but it's clear can be influenced. Brazil is a place that has suffered massive corruption and fraud uh, exposure, suffered from massive corruption and fraud exposure. I mean, people receiving billions of dollars in payments, essentially, um, and guaranteeing elections, guaranteeing military forces occupied certain areas, guaranteed people would be in other countries at the time to work to, to be, you know, to get associated with China. It's, it's gnarly. So I, I, in support of the idea that a military helicopter showed up there and just took over the scene, essentially, it could be possible that though that a phone call phone calls could have been made between assets on the ground if this was known about by intelligence community. I mean, you're talking about like we're talking generations deep, departments of our intelligence community rooted like freaking ticks on a fucking white tail's back in countries like Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, Costa Rica, Mexico. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, all of, any any country that has had really any heat on it and areas that could be used to stop logistics and things like that have had. I mean, if you don't know the story, I mean, just for instance, look up um, Operation Car Wash or, or or any number of other CIA or other operate. I mean, that specifically isn't it doesn't revolve entirely around the CIA, but there is a ton of that do so in support for the idea. That an American military helicopter, because you got to remember, an American military helicopter can be flying people dressed like civilians who have a lot more power than the military. It isn't always about big guns. I mean, seriously, could you imagine if American military helicopter landed and you've got some well-known politician sitting there with the country's like number one CIA liaison person who's like oversees multiple departments operating um, in uh, in uh, the country and maybe are known about? Um, and maybe, you know, lots of things like blackmail could go on that you could, you could see a situation where possibly a small military base in the middle of fucking nowhere, Brazil. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Could be told to stand down. This is being handled by uh, an asset that we have that works on, you know, foreign technologies or some horseshit, even even in Brazil at that time. I mean, Brazil and in no way are some like jungle people that have no air force or anything they have pretty sophisticated technology they buy from arms dealers who pick up their gear from american military uh complex so uh, american military complex. so it's like, so i don't know i in support of that also i didn't want to be such a hater yesterday that i didn't bring up any um anything that else that i felt was entirely related you know in support of this and there are scientists out there and people out there that have questioned whether or not silicon life 
could exist. In fact, what do I always say here all the time? Not that it should be repeated because I'm a fucking idiot, but um, there seems to be a thing where like something makes the news, makes the rounds. Now, not always because a lot of stupid shit makes the news. It makes no sense, holds no weight, and doesn't have any bearing on our lives really at all. In fact, they have personally, purposely avoid the stuff we want to hear. But once um, you know, scientists believe silicon life could be what you know what um our first alien contact is most likely to be while other scientists clap back and say carbon is so abundant it's most likely going to be carbon life and then other the scientists clap back and say the majority of life we find today on, on planet earth doesn't seem to exist in places that are that are super beneficial to regular or the most common carbon-based factor there is add a little um hoffman in there when it comes to survival and things like that and then you have yourself a situation where scientists did for a long time exobiologists suggest that they almost will wager their life's work on the idea that we're going to come across silicon-based life and what do you know ammonia is also extremely abundant in the universe on a lot of other planets especially planets that have mass large enough to collect ammonia i guess so and so we see that there are people that have addressed the idea that it's very likely that there will be silicon-based life out there. And of course, um, it, it could have developed on planets where it, it lived in ammonia, it breathed hydrogen, and it lived on a planet that was akin to a moon in our solar system or even uh, you know, spread your cheeks and look at Uranus and it's something like that. But <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily make any of it true. It just means that it, there has been a lot of research on it. Now, I don't know what Military X knows about astrobiology. I would take a a gander that he's more into oh i don't know what um i would suggest that he's probably not so much in astrobiology and he just said what he thought it looked like if he actually saw some weird dangling leg or in fact that he was just saying what he thought he saw a burned human but maybe he did get it right and saw something that he considered well i saw silicon ones and it was in this form and it looked like this it was translucent blah, blah i don't know what the hell and so, I don't know. And that's what he said. I have no idea. But it has been discussed before. I'll leave a little thing in the show notes that people have discussed it. Ammonia life is a big deal. Of course, we just had, remember, just like six or almost a year ago, is did we find life elsewhere because it's producing the yada, 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 and ammonia was heavily involved. Um, I don't know. Seems possible. Seems possible. You're not here. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, trailers for sale or rent. Rooms to let 50 cents. All right, let's jump back. Let's talk about 1978. We're going to go back in the time machine. Dilly, dilly, dilly. I shouldn't be talking shit. Oh, my God. I'm such a bad guy for talking shit. I match absurdity with absurdity. I get notifications all the time about how I how I am. <laughs> this is how you are. People like you are like this. But uh, I oftentimes do support the idea of paranormal activity. I just don't support it in the means of hope and prayer. That's just not my style. Um, I'm interested in all of that. What I'm saying is I don't believe that has anything to do with disclosure or this 2004 stuff and on. So I'd like to hop back in the, in the way back machine and bring you back to the time where, um, you know, 
they weren't talking about Chinese drones and stuff, right? Because that's what everyone hates. You hate the idea that I'm talking about Chinese drones, even though you're being presented with evidence of Chinese drones and they're calling it aliens. So, so you hate when I do it or other people do it. So let's talk about a time before hatred. 1970. <laughs> you were wearing goofy clothes. Your hair sucked. The music was great. No, your hair was great. I'm just kidding. The clothes are awesome. The cars, the hood on each car was like a fucking, you know, like a two mile long plank that you had to walk to get to the end to open it up. You're burning oil like crazy, but there was also the space race. The Soviets were talking a lot of shit. The squares were being squares and the hippies were having fun. But one thing is for sure, there was an ever-building conspiracy that basically every time NASA sent someone or something into space, it was hounded by aliens. And even then, the some of the astronauts went around saying that. Although it's confusing, though, because, of course, like most things, the birthday cake slash birthday party metaphor of ufology seems to be true here as well. Looking through this 1978 article... Uh, called Astronaut UFO Sightings by James Oberg from Skeptical Inquirer. It seems that, once again, the same thing is going on that happened back then. And it's just like people get a crumb and they will fucking turn it into the biggest load of nonsense ever and expect you just to swallow it. And if you question anything, you're the jerk. Well, I put it to you that I'm tired of old ufology as well. Me and Lou Elizondo agree on that. And Before I read this, old ufology to me is the idea that that you should be allowed to say or do whatever you want with no one verifying your claims. And I'm not talking about our own paranormal encounters. We can't really do shit about that unless, of course, you're claiming that it's not something. Then we can easily verify it. What I'm saying is um, if someone shows a crop circle and the crop circle is made by Disney, you should say something about it, Rob. If someone you know shows you a video of something flying through the sky and says it's not this, but it's not a satellite, it's not a rocket body, it's not a plane, and gives you the exact time and date and all that stuff, um, you should be able to look it up. And I am kind of tired of old ufology when it comes to do not, do not, do not, do not, do not check my claims. Or if you, and if you do, you're an asshole. Um, and so I just shot back, when, what were the skeptical people saying in 1978, looking through old Skeptical Inquirer magazine. If you're aware of it, it's pretty fun back then. It has pretty cool covers. There's a lot of them for sale on eBay. Awesome stuff. Here's a James Oberg article real quick. We'll get through it and then we'll take a break. The glamour and drama of manned space flight. Ah, you know what? Maybe I wasn't supposed to read this one first. Shit. I was supposed to read um, CIA's relationship with NASA. Uh, well, I'll forget it. The glamour and drama of manned space flights have been transferred to UFO field via a highly publicized group of quote-unquote UFO sightings and photographs allegedly made by American and Russian space pilots. Hardly a UFO book or movie fails to mention that astronauts have seen UFOs too, quote-unquote. Careful examination of each and every one of these stories, and they total more than 20 or 30 so far at the time this is 78, can produce quite reasonable explanations in terms of visual phenomena associated with space flights. On a visit to NASA Johnson Space Center in Houston in July 1976, Dr. J. Allen Hynek of the Center of UFO Studies, CUFOS, concluded that none of the authentic cases, as opposed to the majority of reports, which are fiction, uh, fiction, fictitious sorry, 
um, really had anything to do with the quote-unquote real UFO phenomenon. What do you know? Mr. Hynek, we agree. Um, skeptical investigators. Skeptical investigators, while, while pleased that Hynek had dismissed all UFO reports, quote-unquote, as unreliable, have insisted that this body of stories has quite a lot to do with a major pro- problems besetting the UFO community. How they ask, can anybody, I'm sorry, holy shit. Let me zoom in here. My, I, I cannot read with the damn, I'm an idiot. How they ask, can a body of stories so, uh, so false and unreliable obtain such seeming authenticity simply by being passed back and forth among researchers without ever being seriously investigated. Is this a characteristic of UFO stories in general? And if so, the skeptic asks, can a study of how the astronaut UFO myth began and flourished help us understand better the UFO phenomenon in general? Hynek's disavowal of the story came after the book Edge of Reality, co-authored by Jacques Vallée. Now, everyone who loves Jacques Vallée in his old age forgets that Jalen Anikaman had a split, and a lot of people do not understand what the hell he's doing now in his life. But I will say um, there are a lot of claims out there, like Passport to Magonia or whatever the hell it is. Um, so many things in there that he's decided to say was UFO that have nothing to do with ufology. And the people that wrote them about them originally ha- are kind of like, um, fuck you. This isn't what this is about. You just decided to take that and retell the story in order to fit this ever-shifting trickster-like thing. And the real, actual authors of, and the people that did the research think that he's way off the mark. And what do you know? I agree. Anyways, um, uh, in this book was Valet's idea. Not his, but that even so, he just wanted to generate interest and discussion. He insisted that inclusion of the list was not a judgment on his belief and its credibility. And the readers had no right assuming that the data had actually been verified just because they were included in his book. This is an, an, they asked Jacques Vallée this in 1978. Let me read that again because I read like a fucking idiot. And I want to make sure you hear this because though it's been a long time and Vallée can, you know, correct course and all that stuff just like everyone else. What does that sound like to you in modern day ufology? Ready? Here we go. Um, Heineck told colleagues that the, that the inclusion of this list of astronaut sightings um, compiled by George Fawcett in the book was Valet's idea. Uh, not his, but that even so, he just wanted to generate interest and discussion in the UFO, uh, astronaut UFO stories. He insisted that the inclusion of that list of unverified stories was not a judgment on his belief of the, the list credibility. And the readers had no right assuming that just because he put it in his book meant that it was true. Metal ball shavings, proof of aliens. UFO program blows the lid off truth. Real, the, the Finally, the proof is here. This fucking shit hasn't changed. Valet did it back in 78, and people are doing it today. Nothing has changed. Valet added something that generated basically proof to the common person because, well, J. Allen Hynek and Valet put it in his books. It must be, must be real. When, of course, it wasn't. And, then, and later on, we found out that most of those stories were, uh, it took a long time for the astronauts to come out to recognize that, uh, that the truth of it was rather ESP related, metaphysical, and far less weird. Although there are, I'm going to bring Bruce McAbee's story up. Anyways, let's get back to, there are explanations that help support the idea that something weird shit did happen sometimes. So I will help stop go there rather. 
He insisted that any conclusion on this list was not a judgment on the credibility. The readers had no right in assuming that he put it in there because verify the story, blah, blah, blah. Fawcett, on the other hand, claims that he just assembled the list from all the available sources and assumed that somebody else had checked the accounts before publication. Maybe 1% of the stories are true, Fawcett suggested in 1978 after putting that list together. <laughs> 1% of the list was true. This this is the complete faucet list as printed in Edge of Reality following each incident. I'm sure a lot of you people have that book. We supply in italics the most likely explanation of each report. And again, some of these, I feel like were explained away pretty poorly as well. So I will say, uh, you know, we'll bring up the Bruce McAbee, Bruce McAbee um, investigation, which I think is accurate for, for what they described to be a prosaic answer. For his evidence and his investigation of it shows, I believe he's right, that if for them to be true, what they were describing would have been freaking huge. Like the object would have been absolutely massive if they were the distance away, you, you know, with the camera lens used, they can easily calculate, you know, whatever. Anyways, but cameras have tick marks on them, you know? So like if you're looking through an ACOG scope or a site rather, a four-time site, if the, 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 the chevron on the site or the camera that you're looking at is 19 inches, so if, if the object at 300 yards or 400 yards it fits perfectly in that chevron, you know that they have a 19-inch shoulder. You can measure the distance of this person. Same thing can be done with NASA camera work from the Gemini program. You know, Gemini had their their optics and stuff like that with range finders on them and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of hard to understand based off of other stuff, but you can take literally where they are on Earth the telemetry of the things going where the booster was and see that if the explanations were true by NASA, the, the, to explain it the way the objects would have been fucking huge. And that's all I'll say about that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe Bruce McAbee's wrong, but it seems like he was kind of easily debunked the explanation for one of them. Okay. So the faucet list, April 20th, 1962, John Glenn piloting the mercury capsule saw three objects follow him and then overtake him at varying speeds. Glenn also said that these snowflakes were small and seemed to be coming from the rear end of the ca of his capsule. Later flights also observed them and were able to create snowstorms, quote-unquote, by having astronauts bang on the walls of their capsule. Verdict, significant data was withheld, totally altering the nature of the incident. People right away came out and said, oh, yes, because he even described this as being like angelic-like. This was the early days of not realizing that ice build up on the capsule once reaching space fragmented and broke off and literally created a storm that when photons bounced off the individual pieces of crystal or ice, they, they would, they would make a light show, a beautiful light show never seen before in a situation that has never been seen before by the human eye. So of course, John Glenn, world war II hero would be like, what the fuck is that? But before we got a chance to explain it away, what happened? Oh, fairies, Bob, science, science, Bob. No, anyways. Um, I'll shut up about that. May 24th, 1962, Mercury 7. Scott Carpenter reported photographing firefly-like objects with a hand camera and that he had what looked like a good shot of a saucer, quote-unquote. Carpenter did see fireflies as well as as a balloon ejected from his capsule. The claim that he reported photographing a saucer, quote-unquote, is a counterfeit. His photo, taken into account the glare of the sunlight, smeared window, and, and gross enlargement of the small image has been widely published as a saucer, but was in fact his tracking balloon. 1960, uh, May 30, 1962, X-15 pilot Joe Walton photographed five dislike objects. 
The story appears to be a complete fabrication with nothing to back it up. The real pilot's name was Joe Walker, not Joe Walton. Hmm. That one. Which one was it? The American physicist Joe Walker died 1966. X-15 pilot. Yeah. Um, Isn't this the guy that got hammered and flew? I can't remember. Someone, I can't remember the story. Anyways, I'll I'll go back to it. Sorry. Um, I don't know if that's right, but yeah. Uh, May 16th, 1963, Mercury 9, Gordon Cooper reported a greenish UFO with a red tail during his uh, 15th orbit. He also reported other mysterious sightings over South America and Australia. The object he cited over Perth, Australia, was caught on screens by ground tracking stations. Cooper has recently denounced all stories of UFOs on his space flights as fabrications. That's interesting because look at him later on in life when he had what seemingly was health issues saying quite the opposite. The multicolored UFO is based on a deliberate misquotation by an author by an author of Cooper's post-flight report on sighting of the Aurora Australis and was by him marked fraud. October 3rd, 1963, uh, Mercury 8, Walter Shira reported large glowing masses over the Indian Ocean. Indeed, he did, referring to lightning lit cloud masses over the ocean uh, 100 miles below. The author of this story deliberately quoted out of context uh, stuff there. The verdict fraud and note wrong dated. It was 1962 and Mercury 8 uh, follows Mercury 9 in his reliable chron- chronology of, of events. So he didn't even get the, he got, he put Mercury 9 flight was before 8. March 8th, 1964, Vosk, 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 Nailed it. Uh, I don't know. V- Voskhod 2, Russian cosmonaut reported an unidentified object just as they entered the Earth's atmosphere. Several hours before returning to Earth, the cosmonauts spotted a cylinder-shaped object they assumed, probably correctly, was just another man-made satellite. Such sightings were becoming more and more frequent as the number of manned flights and unmanned satellites rose. Pause right there for a second. Remember, as well, we have now, you know, all these years later, learned our adversaries or near-peer competitors were launching spy satellites under the guise that were scientific endeavors or, or corporate endeavors, and they still do. We, we barely know any of our own. We just know NASA has been working with the CIA for years. There are things that would have been witnessed in space by pilots, space pilots, astronauts, um, that that if they did report it at first as a UFO, um, there is a laundry list of stuff that we'll never know about or probably won't know about at all that is up there, was up there beforehand flying around that they didn't even know about. So, of course, they're going to report. I'm sorry, I said the backwards. Yeah, but of course, they're going to report strange objects, especially near Earth orbit. But again, some of them, for the size that appear on camera, make no sense. Anyways, 1964, June 3rd, Gemini 4, Jim McDivitt reported that he photographed several strange objects, including a cylindrical object with arms sticking out and an egg-shaped UFO with some sort of exhaust. This is the most famous astronaut UFO qu- case, quase, and has been embellished and distorted in dozens of publications. McDivitt saw a beer can-shaped object, which he took to be another man-made satellite. Some observers believed it was his own booster and tried to take photos, which did not turn out. 
A still from the movie camera, which McDivitt insists he never touched during the sighting, was mistakenly released without the astronaut's review, showing what he what turned out to be a light reflection off his co-pilot's window. According to McDivitt, UFO buffs took this photo and claimed it as one of the best UFOs ever taken, showing, they claim, a glowing object with a plasma tail, quote-unquote. McDivitt never saw anything like that in space. Verdict, gross exaggeration and distortion on the part of the UFO writers. Also, the year is wrong. It should have been 1965 and not 1964. October 12th, 1964, Voshkad 1, three Russian cosmonauts reported they were they were surrounded by a formation of swift, swiftly moving disc-shaped objects. The story appears to be a complete fabrication, but UFO buffs cling to it while challenging skeptics to prove it did not happen. What does that sound like today? What that that is like the motto. They failed to prove they weren't space aliens either. That's what they were saying in 1964. Now, of course, you hear fancier lines, a little more broader palette for those that need the large economy of words from people like Leslie Keen. Ready? Uh, we can't prove this stuff to be real, but what we can do is prove the skeptics wrong. Cyanide tablet. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna gotta just ditch this reality. Goodbye. Um, I love you, Dorothy. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. I'm sorry. I said, I don't know why I'm, I'm stupid. I shouldn't be using drugs like that. Friends, uh, everyone in the chat. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Let's go back to this real quick. Uh, uh, December 4th, 1965, Gemini 7, Frank Borman and Jim Lovell photographed twin oval-shaped UFOs with glowing undersides. This famous photograph is a blatant forgery in which light reflections off the nose of the spacecraft are made to look like UFOs by airbrushing away the vehicle. Famous McDivitt UFO photograph. I'll show you here. Actually, a still from the movie, which has been reprinted in dozens of UFO books and magazines. is only a reflection of the sun on Copilot's window. And, of course, the uh, deliberate cutout of certain things. And then immediately with the headlines like, is NASA hiding UFOs from you? This is in 1964. Um, here's a... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was showing you. Jesus. Here's a... Look at these here. Gemini 7 was sound like leaning off the two rocket thrusters. Dark nose almost blends in with dark earth background. Now, I've looked into some of these. And again, I, I don't want to say that I agree with all of the skeptical inquirers, uh, uh, you know, agreement with the explaining it away by NASA. Because I will, I, again, I think when we get to Bruce McAbee's evaluation of it, I think that clearly some of them could be confused with things. But having said that, could Bruce McAbee be looking at something that is a reflection? And that way, the gauging of its distance versus the measurements on the scope, where the where the Earth is, where the boosters are, how far they are out there, and all that stuff, could that all be a waste of time? Just like modern-day investigations of UFOs when it comes to 2004 and on. It's like a fucking... I, I have so much respect for Bruce McAbee. I, I totally do, and I've, I've, I've literally just... I don't care if he got things wrong is uh, in, in the essence that 
someone tried to put the work in based off of what the evidence provided. If this evidence is accurate and this is what they saw, if this is the real deal picture, this is what we can do with it. That's okay with me. Obviously, Bruce McAfee does believe there's a massive cover-up. I think I think he believes it based off of the anecdotal evidence. But either way, um, without taking anything away, if modern-day ufology has decided to base itself off of doing science on blurry fucking videos of high contrast with zero context, except what pilots that aren't even involved with that video taking are telling you. That, to me, is disturbing because, one, it's not that I want to start off default distrusting the pilots. No. I can suspend my disbelief like that. It's it's the fact that we're doing it again. Jesus, man, if uh, where's Brewer's book? Um, it, you guys got to read this book because we are just living in a freaking washing machine cycle. We just can't get out of this constant, constant, um, you know, like just the same fucking shit over and over and over again. If you read Jack Brewer's book, um, you know, NICAP and the IC community or whatever it's called, The Wayward Sons, it is exactly what we're talking about here. People will take a video of a, a, a blurry thing like the gimbal video and they'll base all of their research around it, both for and against it. Meanwhile, the broader context of what's actually going on there or the other data that would provide the real story is kept out leaving us decades, probably, of arguments over shit. Now, I personally agree with Mick West on some of those things, not to mention that I have heard pilots sound the exact same way over acquiring a little, you know, a fucking tiny handheld drone they use for target practice. We got it! Yeah! Woo! Like, everyone's cheering. That's So, I mean, nothing about that was impressive. I think that it does. The Go Fast video is a slow-moving object on with parallax effect. But the same thing. We got people like Bruce McAbee, who I respect the man greatly, doing fine work, what would be considered standard scientific research, if you're talking about based off of the evidence provided, but without the larger context, it's it's just a photograph of possibly a reflection off another window. So it doesn't matter that you've done all this whiz-bang math. It doesn't matter that you have the original scope and optics used on this mission, and you know you can break it down, even have it in your backyard. Because if the photo is of a reflection and not a real object, then it, it is not five-mile-wide satellite. Oh, if NASA's right, it's a five-mile-wide satellite. It's not. It can't be. It's a reflection. That's why it looks five miles wide at 6,000 miles away. It's, it doesn't make any sense, but the same thing is happening today. Do your research based on this high-contrast video that makes no fucking sense to anyone but two pilots that apparently are now liaisons for all of the military and, you know, whatever. Jesus. Hey, what's up, Cambian? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Bobby Broadway, everyone, everyone here in the YouTube chat. Thank you so much for being here. You didn't miss anything. My show sucks. Um, <clears throat> back to 1966. Here we go. July 18th, 1966, Gemini 10. John Young and Mike Collins saw a large cylindrical object accompanied by two smaller ones, bright objects, which Young photographed. NASA failed to pick up them on screens. They couldn't see them. The astronauts reported two bright fragments near their spacecraft soon after launch, presumably pieces of the booster. Because it's still following, right? Even after you separate and you're going, this booster is no longer has a you know a thrust is being applied to it, so it's going slower, but it's still going, you know. Uh, anyways, uh, this the astronauts reported two bright fragments near the spacecraft soon after launch, presumably pieces of the booster or some other satellite. No photos were taken, they were out of range of NASA radar at this point, anyways, dramatized. Uh, an original space event that just has never left. But here's where the UFO show gets you. Ready, folks? This is where they start to add right around 
after this, well, coming up in the few next few ones after Apollo 8, they start to actually add the astronaut. And even though the astronaut told uh, Skeptical Inquirer back in the 70s that this is all horseshit, the aged old astronaut finds their way on camera and say 1999 when they're getting paid to show up on camera and, and, and say that it's all real and it happened. It's everything's real. Everything's real. Gordon Cooper, boom, national hero, sir. But I swear to God, you were not at every major event. That guy would claim he watched fucking George Washington chop down a cherry tree. I mean, I don't Was it George Washington or was it Abe Lincoln? I don't even know. Was it Abe Lincoln? I don't know. Cherry trees suck. All right, let's go on. December 21st, 1968, Apollo 8, Frank Borman. Oh, I skipped one. November 11th, 1966, Gemini 12. Gemini had a lot of them, allegedly. Jim Lovell and Edward Aldrin saw four UFOs linked in a row. Both spacemen said the objects were not stars. Indeed, they were not, since the astronauts were talking about four bags of trash that had blown overboard an hour earlier. Deliberate misquotation from UFO book author. Indeed, they were not, since the astronauts were talking about four bags of trash they had thrown overboard an hour earlier. Hold on a second, folks. Are you telling me that there's so much trash on planet Earth that it's actually now making it to space? Are you telling me the New York Times article that brought up trash was accurate, even about trash being up that high? Oh. <laughs> You show me an example of when trash was the reason you <laughs> grow up, put your big boy pants on or girl and freaking do the goddamn research. Just look back at what other that's the first it's one of the first steps in any scientific method, right? You've come up with some stupid idea and you think, oh, I got an idea. I should probably read what everyone else has talked about about this topic already. Therefore, I don't repeat myself. And of course, uh, introduce an idea that's already been had and dismissed or, you know, has been invented already. Has Someone already has their name on it. Yada, yada, yada. I do it all the time, though. I invent stuff all the time. Then I Google it and it's there. And I say, I'm just, I must be, ch I, I channeled this person. November 11, 1966, Jim Lovell and Edward uh, Edward Aldrin um, specifically said that we didn't say that. Anyways, December 21st, 1968, Apollo 8, Frank Borman and Jim Lovell reported a bogey, an identified object 10 miles up. Actually, Borman referred to a bogey on his first space flight three years before, describing pieces of debris associated with his spacecraft. I, I, I don't think that I blame the astronaut. I mean, you're fucking going where like no pioneer has gone before, essentially. And you're in, and you know what? If something, uh, have you ever been on the ocean at night and, and like your GPS or something or, or your chart plotter or your maps that you use says that there's a buoy to the channel entrance just three miles ahead? You see a light on the horizon blinking with that thing in the direction of the thing, but by God, it looks like it's on the other side of the fucking universe. There is no way to get depth perception certain ways. So if you got something chasing or in front or, you know, it, it would be fucking frightening, especially if you have to ask NASA, Hey, what, what do you guys see way off in this direction for us? We got nothing. I can see this thing blinking and shining. Meanwhile, it's just ice crystals on a rocket booster blinking in the sun, doing weird shit, bags of garbage, bl heating blankets, parts of capsules that broke off and, and were never used again. They had to use fucking duct tape to get back to earth. You don't know. It's up there to dismiss it all for the idea that every single mission is, is being visited by time travelers because a goofy high contrast photo was taken and no context added after 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I don't know if it's a good idea. Moving on. 
the famous snowman UFO. Check this out. Photo of snowman UFO reported by Buzz Aldrin in lunar orbit also described as a mass of intelligent energy. A mass of intelligent energy. I love that one. In Science Digest, a series of pictures of this event appeared in Japanese magazine were widely uh, publicized in America by Bob Berry, the 20th Century UFO Bureau, and have now been entrenched in UFO folklore. The forgeries have been widely printed in the UFO media along with fabrications about NASA cover-ups. I don't know anything about this, whatever, but this doesn't look... I mean, whatever. Uh, The snowman UFO photo is a forgery scenes such as this one and this is i mean this is a claim about a claim here so obviously we're going to do a little research um scenes such as this one from apollo 11 film magazine f were heavily retouched to eliminate other reflections and in, in, what did i say accentuate sharpness of primary reflection and interior okay um um there is a there is a sad truth to it but whatever i mean (laughs) it's never as it seems right especially when you see the 150 year old gordon cooper up there being like my grandparents took an oxygen wagon from florida during the colorado dust bowl and i went around the moon 180 times no i went around the earth 180 times it's like you know it's it's hard to you know and then this person goes on to start claiming everything oh yeah all this is real what do you know they're getting paid i'm not trying to say that's unethical in the sense that the astronaut is unethical because i think they waited for the brain to be fried this guy's a real jerk on veterans day talking bad about veterans july 16th 1969 apollo 11 this one was a mission on which a ufo reportedly chased the spacecraft i love when they say chase followed stalked haunted and true to the pond you know those are the best ones swarmed reportedly indeed but not very accurately actually several ufo stories have attached themselves like barnacles uh uh, to the man's first moon landing a photo of an an insulation fragment taken soon after the third stage separation has been widely published as a ufo the astronauts watched their booster through a telescope on the way to the moon a series of ufo photos allegedly taken by astronaut aldrin in lunar orbit are actually forgeries by japanese ufo magazine an alleged astronaut radio conversation describing a ufo ambush is a hoax i mean does everyone remember we got some visitors on the edge of the crater oh god november 14 1969 apollo 12th astronaut pete conrad and alan bean and dick gordon said a ufo accompanied them to within 132,000 miles of the moon preceding them all the way no they never said that They were joking with the ground control room about a tumbling piece of their rocket booster that was flashing in the sky. UFO bus completely misunderstood the meaning of the flashing in the sky. And the conversation conjured up uh, UFO, blah, blah, blah. On the way back to Earth, the astronauts were puzzled by a light between them and the Earth, which turned out to be the reflection of the moon behind them on the nighttime Indian Ocean below. That seems rather unbelievable, but actually, has anyone else flown in a plane? with a moon reflected off the plane and you get to watch the moonlight on the ground, follow the plane everywhere. Obviously if you're flying like say West to East, 
uh, in the evening and in, in like middle North America, you can get a plane, you can get the moon bouncing off you pretty easily in um, uh, fall time. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. You're like literally looking at like this weird anonymous light follow you, but it's also shining off the houses in the middle of the night. Could you imagine a person waking up in their house and their whole fucking house looks like it's, there's an x-ray going through it. Meanwhile, it's just the moon the sun bouncing off the moon, the moon bouncing off your airplane, the, and then hitting the ground like a giant spotlight. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, many other astronaut reports have been added to this list, but the uh, Skylab, uh, the Skylab photographs of passing satellites distorted by some uh, have only added to the further mystery, but it was originally a hoax anyways. Uh, the strange squiggle photo from Skylab is probably a, a film or camera fault since at the time, remember, just like ufology, people thought for some reason it was a good to get things in long exposure. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. If you're holding a camera and you're just and you're learning to you know do long exposure, are you sure you're going to be able to calculate your own movement plus the object's movement? This thing moved 70 miles in one frame. Really? So is one inch movement for you actually 70 miles or something? If you were pointing a laser, it's just. It, there was a lot of learn lessons learned, even by our scientists and optical and uh, people using uh, and advancing long range optics and stuff, as you saw from that uh, balloon photo from earlier. The entire phenomenon of the astronaut UFO sightings, however, does explicitly demonstrate the carelessness and lack of verification among UFO circles eager to exchange the latest hot stories without any regard for authenticity or accuracy. Skeptics have claimed that this characteristic is not limited to the UFO astronaut sightings at all. The topic is not one of which UFO specialists can point with pride in their own behavior and standards of reliability, something that I've been talking about a lot lately because I'm not good at necessarily finding the frauds but I can't say that it is time. If you want the subject to be taken seriously to any degree and you're not truly just a fucking filmmaker or something like, you know, you try to avoid being called, um, then then the standards of practice when it comes to research and putting out information should be raised up. There should be a, a, a more, um, a better concrete avenue that all research should go down or 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 uh, standards and sources and all that stuff. And I don't understand why, why people are so hostile to that, unless, of course, they want to keep making money with their reality-like TV shows or movies. They mean unscripted movies where they just pretend they're on scene. Nothing's contrived, even though it's ridiculous. They're wearing makeup, and there's people already waiting inside the house with the camera. It's nuts. Anyways, uh, closing notes here from uh, the Skeptical Inquirer back in 1978 when this was put together. Uh, a common claim is that there is some sort of NASA, quote-unquote, cover-up we are going to talk about NASA's relations with the CIA, which there are plenty of cover-ups, but they're not necessarily cover-ups with alien as the story or aliens being the topic. It's very human. Every photograph taken by NASA in space is available for publication and can be inspected by accredited news media representatives. There are tens of thousands of photos and there is no way to arrange public viewing. So, and volumes and volumes of voice transcripts are readily available in Houston. Anyone can get them. Obviously, I take a little bit of problem with some of these blanket statements. If you're going to fucking be upset that ufology is going to do it, Skeptical Inquiry, you should not pretend like the people that load the photographs into an archive don't have the ability to curate the archive. Anyways, often astronauts are quoted about UFOs. Sometimes they are referring to experiences they have had before or after their roles in the space program. In other cases, they are making general statements based on reading the news media, which is fucking truer than all of them truer than all of them 
astronauts, politicians, doesn't matter. They read a fucking book. They turn, oh, here's here's passport to Magonia. I'm going to start going on the news as a congressman that sits on a, on a um, transport subcommittee and saying things like, they've always been here. I'm sure they have. Maybe they have. That doesn't mean this is real evidence for them always being here. I'm sorry. I love everyone out there. And I actually do believe that there's probably been, I mean, seriously, if you understand how space and flight and speed works, someone could watch us our entire lives by simply watching us and then going away real fast and coming right back. And time would have changed drastically for us tens of thousands of years. It could be the same pilot. They're like, ah, oh, we'll see how let's influence and let's hit the time travel button for us, which is zip away and come right back. And what do you know? The earth is 20,000 years in the future. Holy shit, all the ice is melting and people are fucking running for their lives. Hey, look at this. They're starting to farm. The ground's fertile. They got animals and pens. Whoa, nice job. We gave them some gods to worship. Told them to start shortening some penises. That's not true. (laughs) I have other stuff. No jokes here. Trying to go joke-free, folks. I heard that people hate jokes. People don't like jokes. Uh, anyways, um, there is that one case that I would like to bring up real quick of Gemini. And I do want to say that I'll take a break though before I come back. I do want to say, uh, that I respect Bruce McAbee greatly. I'm a huge fan of his work. I think the guy is extremely intelligent and is able to break things down um uh, and seriously i just think he has one of the most interesting perspectives there are i might not agree about what the whole grand conspiracy is going on but i do think that the gentleman is an extremely intelligent and obviously open to the idea that we could be in fact being visited and watched every day and there is a cover-up having said that if in fact he is being lied to just like the rest of us we possibly are about what certain things are real evidence or not his calculations mean nothing this is uh in um what do they call it? Is it physics and it's like type one, type two problems? It's like it's like basic. I don't know. I forget now. I'm already. I forget. It's been a long time. But it's like it's like base like basing the start, the solutions you're trying to come up with, when the problem itself has logic as flaws that have never been addressed. So like generations later, they're like trying to prove things. I don't really know what I'm saying here because I'm an idiot. But I know that's part of it. Um, I gotta I gotta take a quick break. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, cats and kittens and pooches and pound puppies, thank you for being here. Audio listeners, please do me a massive favor. You could help the show immensely. YouTube YouTubers are kicking your ass with who's supporting Recon. You want to be a member of the Recon team? Do your part. Listen, rate, and review. Don't rip my guts out, but do me a massive favor and let the numbers of Recon listeners and the amount of time you spent here reflect the reviews because when you leave a positive review that helps support the show that you listen to every day, it makes the show findable by other people that might be interested in you and if you want other people to also have their curiosity inspired to also find legitimate logical and reasonable and sometimes fun illogical and irrational things to look into then help support the show let's do some push-ups let's do some squats shadow box let's get we'll be back in a little bit here's some music from our friend rob in the uk here's redstone sparta bang your head friends
All right, Recon, we are back. Um, super confused as to why James Fox tagged me in that post. Program director over at the NX Network said he did not share that with Mr. Fox. He, in fact, put my name in that on his own. You know, there's one thing I'll say for sure is that, and I'm not trying to backtrack at all here, although I have taken a, a, a precaution uh, of what I did yesterday, but... Um, Dude, there is a level of absurdity you're going to get with Strange Recon. Does everyone recognize that, right? I mean, no one's going to come here, hear what I have to say, and say, man, we need to get this guy in front of Congress or something. I am a fucking idiot, okay? I am a jackass. I am a fool. I read you articles, and I match absurdity with absurdity. No one's going to say, get Jeff Kingsbury, get obnoxious prick Uncle Hector, Kitchener Leslie, a turd Ferguson in front of Congress. I shouldn't be taking that seriously. We are the few, the strong, the recon over here. Uh, there's not many of us, and I am proud of the group we've built, but in no way should anyone be really upset at anything I say. Because, well, there are programs with hundreds of thousands of subscribers kind of saying the same thing in their own style. Uh, you know, there's a spectrum, of course, but um, I'm not sure why Mr. Fox tagged me in that in that post. I will say that I don't think... Ultimately speaking, if you know me, that's me really that angry or hard or upset about anything. I think that's fair. I mean, honestly, I think most people know me, know that I am just here to make stupid statements and I can swear and seem emotional. It's, it's, I don't have any ill will towards Mr. Fox. I could give a shit less about the guy personally. It's the, it's the, it's the, 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 the individual journey that is, that is, portrayed in my opinion as journalism i don't think that's necessarily the same thing a journey satisfying your own curiosity about a case is not the same thing as being a is, is doing journalism and i should know i don't do journalism i know how not to do journalism <laughs> but uh the um i'm not sure why i was tagged in that very confusing i'm sure it's some sort of subliminal thing <laughs> mr fox uh you know after all he's part animal part human just like the monster found in vagina. Um, he is uh, a James human fox animal. We know he's a hybrid. Um, so maybe that's why he's on to me. He knows he can smell his kind. I'm a hybrid. Um, I'm half horse. I know you might be thinking I'm making some sort of disgusting joke, but I have the face of a horse. All right, anyways, uh, Recon, let's talk about something non-UFO related anyways. I'm tired. I don't want any trouble over here. I just say it what the fuck I think, and honestly uh it stifles our growth but whatever it just happens so mr fox if you're hearing this i apologize for anything i might have said very offensive to you i gotta get my shake weight workout in okay ladies and gentlemen Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <clears throat> why don't we talk about something that isn't about UFOs and shit for a couple seconds? And I saw Kepsa brought up a good topic. Y'all know me and how I'm a fight fan. I'm injured right now for my love of hitting things with my hands. My elbow feels like it's going to fucking break off. Throwing Muay elbows all day long will lead to extreme pain if you throw just the slightest thing wrong for an extended period of time 
Anyways, but up soon we have the famous style bender. The UFC has decided to speed track a gentleman all the way to a championship fight way before the person deserves it. I don't give a goddamn what anyone says. I don't give a shit how imposing or awesome he was in kickboxing. I don't care. Yeah, I think you have to be a reigning champion on multiple things at that moment to be considered. And even then, like guys like Michael Chandler coming over, you find that that division is lacking opponents because everyone's getting cycled through by the champions were so dominant for a long time. Now, the same thing is going on right now in uh, Stylebender, Israel, uh, Adasanya's um, uh, bracket, and um, he's taken on his former foe, a guy that has beaten twice in kickboxing. Now, for all the people that are going to be watching this fight this weekend, I won't because I can't afford to buy a UFC fight. I'll be watching it illegally, of course. <laughs> um, the UFC 281 middleweight fight between Israel Asanya and Alex Pereira um, is going to be, in my opinion, this is my own personal opinion. For anyone who doesn't give a shit about this, you can tune out now, come back in 10 minutes. I'm talking about something else, I'm sure. But in my own personal opinion, if Stylebender was to lose this fight, if Israel Adesanya, Adesanya was to lose to Alex Pereira, it will be off a of puncher's chance, and that's it, in my opinion. I do not think that Israel Adesanya can go through this division like he's done and through kickboxing like he's done and all that stuff um, and, and have this much like a backlog of fights and experience and go against the guy who's six and one in mixed martial arts and lose a puncher's chance is what Alex Pereira has. He can still knock out Izzy. Of course he can. He just knocked out, you know, what's his nuts there. Um, uh, Alex Pereira has an extremely strong left hand. Everyone knows that he has a very short jab. He has a very open stance, kickboxing stance because he likes to use his hands to parry and stuff like that. But it's, he has a, a very short jab and like Izzy, he can, he can fire, uh, going forward and back, and you know, Izzy's a very great dis- defensive striker, as in little jab coming forward, you know, stepping on the front foot and getting you, and then when you come back to return fire, he'll clip you with a left hook or something across your chin and drop you. Alex Pereira specializes in that left hook, so obviously Izzy's going to be doing a lot of these right-hand strikes and protecting on return and trying to get Pereira to throw that left while he's got his defense up there so he can either return to the le- a, a right hook a left hook or a left uppercut or even something more uh, aggressive like an elbow or or, or, a, um, or a kick. But either way, Pereira is counting on that left hook. This is a guy that is six in one, but is a extremely dominant fighter in kickboxing. You know, obviously, he beat Izzy twice. He's six in one. Can you imagine a six in one fighter fighting a 23 in one fighter when the 23 in one fighter is the one with the best training, the most successful track record of taking on different fighters and winning consistently. It kind of makes no sense. I personally, even though he's a big, strong, scary guy, believe Alex Pereira is being thrown to the fucking wolves here. Now, I know everybody's like, oh, my God, dude, it's a fight, it's a fight, he's a champion or whatever. I don't think mixed martial arts is the same as kickboxing, especially since kickboxing works entirely off of the you hit me and that'll hit you concept. Counter counter striking and kickboxing is like fucking absent most fights because everyone's afraid to bend their body over because they're gonna get kicked in the face. Um, the uh, the 
Stylebender can can really do such amazing things when it comes to striking on the defense. It really means that the only person that can essentially take him on is a person that likes to ret- fire return or, or you know defend return defend return defend return. Capsule, if the if it is if it is if it's it's gonna be it's gonna be scored in boxing points, which sucks, right? But but yes, it is possible because we've seen that many many times before. I I even believe truthfully, it's it's um it's far more possible for a fighter who's this dominant like Israel Adesanya to give up a fight, um, not give up as actually purposely lose, but to to uh, be okay with losing for for a comeback fight. I just I I think that I I personally think that uh, for all you just tuning in now, I'm no longer talking about 1978 or UFOs or NASA or anything like that. I'm talking about the UFC a little bit, a little mixed martial arts, a little kickboxing. That would be crazy, right? I don't want to see Izzy get knocked out. I'd like to see him win. He's not even a favorite fighter of mine. I just, I just, I just believe that if the universe works the way it works, of course, anyone goes in there has a puncher's chance. That's why they've made it to the UFC. Israel Adesanya was almost beaten by a guy that specialized in in a gym out of Ohio. That 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 just they just beat the living shit out of each other with little to no technique when it comes to striking. It's a it's a very Go for the double leg takedown, stand up and left hook, fucking fucking gym with Pat Mulnich up there. Um, and so I know that Izzy can almost be beaten by by a slugger. We know that. And Pereira is a goddamn assassin slugger. He is one of the most clinically freaking uh, um, skilled strikers there are on planet Earth. He is just literally a master striker. And if he points fights with uh, with Adesanya, I think Adesanya then it really excels there because. This is not. There is this thing that happens that people don't quite understand with the mixed martial arts or any fighting in general. When you become champ, the attention from the people around you, the trainers, the the the, the nutritionists, the specialists that work on new technologies that help get your high hand speed up there, you'll be able to get your head speed around faster. They just start flocking you like crazy because you got the money, and your skill gets better and better and better. Of course, there's always a puncher's chance. Look at look at. Uh, Look at um, uh, Kamaro Usman and um, and uh, the new English um, champion, the new UK champion. We see that a person was clearly going to lose the fight because the more skilled, higher trained, more disciplined fighter was absolutely dominating him. And then he got clipped with a kick, leaning down without blocking his head, and he fucking got knocked the fuck out and lost the belt. That's how fast it happens. And that could happen to Israel for sure. I just personally think that Israel... And the work they're doing in, in New Zealand is so freaking impressive. And they, they're like basically combined gyms now with Australia and they're getting all these Australian gyms and they're getting this very diverse type of like for the first time ever, Israel is being looked at like, hey, this dude could literally take it to the ground if he wanted to. Have you noticed that Israel Adesanya being the most defensive striker and badass ex, uh, striker in the world? Like literally, this guy is just so slick. It's unbelievable. Um has only ever been taken down for like a couple seconds. Even when he fought Jan Blowich, he he was taken down, but it was it was clearly um because Jan was freaking huge compared to him that, that he was able to hold him down. But he can wrestle, he can he can scramble and get up. I don't think Pereira has any options other than to try to hit him with a clean left hook while Israel is dipping his head in the way. Or 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 worse, when Israel steps in with the right or steps in with the left. You remember Israel is a skilled fighter that his feet, the foot he's actually punching with will go out sometimes because it re- it sets up something else. So consider that. Like if you're standing in a normal fight position, you might take a step with your left foot 
while throwing the jab for a three co for combo. So like one, two, three, and you're stepped with your left foot. Israel Adesanya is skilled at actually punching forward with his right foot in order to set up a massive left on uh, back or forward. It's really weird and hard for fighters to mimic or have anyone to train against. How do you, how do you, if you were fighting Bruce Lee, who do you hire that is exactly like Bruce Lee so you can train against and get ready for? There's no one. It's Bruce Lee. He's going to be, oh, you know, he's going to be crazy shit. Same thing with Pereira and Israel. Israel can train with kickboxers. Pereira has to train with people that are like mimicking Israel in the mirror and stuff. Uh, Kepsa, there's a problem with that though. Um, there's that, there's a, there's judgment, right? This boxing style judgment on these matches, two things have to take place. One, who is the aggressive fighter the entire time? Yes. The fighter coming forward can look like the aggressor, but in the championship fight, when the champion is so dominant and has been winning all their fights in a way that judges can start looking at how to judge defensive striking, you have to see that Pereira has to take the belt from Izzy, you know? Why do you think John's John Jones won against Alexander Gustafson? Alexander Gustafson, the fucking Viking, beat the shit out of Jones. But at the last two rounds, he didn't beat him enough to look like he physically was able to then take the belt from him. Hey, this is mine now. Um, and so they gave it to Jones, which was crazy because I think Alexander Gustafson beat the shit out of him. And so the, the same thing here. If Pereira chases Izzy around the ring all the time and, 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 and lands a lot of strikes, but doesn't seem in the last two moments to finish off his opponent, those champion rounds, which are fucking obnoxious, it shouldn't be that way at all, well, in fact, they'll go for him. Uh, you know, you know, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll give it to Israel. They do it all the time. This is a championship fight. You didn't take that belt away. You didn't, you didn't leave him in a way that you could walk over, take his belt, take his girl, take his car. We're judging sports like this. We're fucking idiots. Like, that's honestly, I don't understand any of it, but they're doing it. In my boxing days, everyone knew that the point system, the way you got fights, the way you lied, the way your trainers lied, it's so fucking corrupt that to see it actually exist today in modern day UFC is nuts to me. Oh, we're almost at that two-hour mark, friends. We got to be in Anderson. Um, there is uh, there's 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 a bunch of good fights in that card, by the way. If you're interested in um in, in having maybe a little after sh after show, I might pop on after that. But um, Israel um, I just think that Israel's got that. Uh, he he's just so much more experience in the octagon against dynamic fighters that have both kickboxing and ground game and are so good at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling that before the fight, everyone's just like, Israel's going down. Meanwhile, this motherfucker scrambles on his back to his feet with the best of them. You would think he's a wrestler. I mean, he is a big guy. If I was Alexander Gustafson, I would make a comeback too. There's a shitload of money for you. John Joseph's coming back. You want to kick his ass and you've been training with this fucking psychopath, uh, what's his name there? Um, the fuck is his name? I always forget. Everyone's talking about him being as viral as, uh, as everyone else. What's his name? Um, not not the, the, um, the dude from, uh, uh, from not Dagestan. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm forgetting. Um, that's just, He's the Muslim guy there. I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Shemayev there, right? Um, he, uh, yeah. That's um, he's he's he. If anytime you get a young buck like that, that is like psycho, and when it comes to the training, you only can really is train as the best one in the gym. So if Alexander Gustafson is the best one in the gym, and trains alongside a bunch of other badasses, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be able to increase his skill. But now when you've got someone that is outperforming you in training, not necessarily in, you know beating the shit out of people, but just in training, you have a reason to work harder. You know, it's like people that ride bikes and stuff and or whatever get better when they're riding with people that are just better than them you know that's just what happens but uh, i i really don't i really don't think israel is going to let um i mean because it, from the time israel got knocked out by alex Pereira to today he is now specialized in defensive striking in a way that is isn't even used in the in the uh in, in kickboxing, you don't have a lot of kickboxers that are leaving themselves entirely exposed when the enemy, when their opponent is striking, they shield up, you know, they shield, you got a kick coming this way, they shield, kick coming this way, they shield, they literally lift their legs and try to shield their, their sides here, kind of block their hanging ribs, a lot of just li- like old school Philly boxing where you shell up and your elbows almost go down to your waist, so instead of going like this and lowering your arms to protect yourself, you're literally just crunching like this, and they, and that, that Alex Pereira still does that. He sits there walking, pawing, you know, pawing over and over again, trying to hit you with something. Bah, 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 bah. And, and it's just oh, like he he is bringing something to the UFC that Israel has taken and mastered and made his own, turned it into something way better. So I just don't see it. But then again, he has a puncher's chance, and we've watched him knock out Israel. So that's all I'll say about that. He definitely can knock Israel out, and he's, he's fucking one of the baddest men on the planet, striker-wise. But this is a style fight. There's a reason why you want to put a wrestler against a striker. There's a reason why you want a wrestler versus a Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy or a person that specializes in judo versus something else, or karate versus Muay Thai. This is two kickboxers going at it, one of which has been working his ass off in mixed martial arts for way longer than Pereira. He's also been the champion for so long. He's had champion money in his training camp for so long. Champion money is a big game changer. You get nutrition, you get way of life, you get people around you. You just got, you see champions remain dominant longer and longer nowadays sometimes. I think it's fair to say that he he probably will win. Uh, I don't even know who the betting odds are. I just know that Vegas has it constantly wrong and it's fucking, there's, I don't trust Vegas betting odds a lot. It's just ridiculous. Sometimes they, um, uh, sometimes uh, you you uh, you see that the odds for some of these things are absolutely nuts, and it makes no sense. Like like Stri- the Strickland odds versus Pereira changed at the last minute. It was just like, dude, Sean Strickland is not going to beat Alex Pereira. There was nothing that instilled confidence in the human being when you heard Sean Strickland talk. He said it like five times. If you saw this motherfucker walk up behind you in ATM, you just give him your money. I got to fight this big-ass Mexican dude. He kept calling him Mexican and shit. He's fucking Brazilian, isn't he? Um, it's just like, it's just, it's insane. It's the, the guy is a scary, a scary elite dude, but I, I don't know. Those betting odds are insane. If they ever said that, it, that he was a betting favorite to Israel, I would fucking never watch a betting odd again for him to UFC because that is absolutely nuts. Might be betting favorite preferred because people want to put a lot of money on the underdog. Hello, but that doesn't make it reality. And obviously Vegas is wrong about shit all the time. 
That's all I'll have to say about that. He's going to get him. Oh, boy. Alex Pereira, Pereira looks like a fucking monster, though. Holy cow, man, that guy's scary looking. Strickland's right. I'd give him my money at the ATM. I'd give him a lot more than that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just kidding. That's, no. Looking through the Google tags, folks, before we wrap this up and I get out of here. Uh, well, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, Caster, since we seem to disagree on this. He beat Izzy by a knockout after Izzy beat the shit out of him on points. He won by a puncher's chance, the, the second fight. The first fight, if you watch, there is no apparent video for it, but if you look at the scorecards and you look at what people were there that said, they said that Izzy should have won that fight. I don't understand it personally because I, I wasn't there, but I'll say right now that Pereira one just like how i'm describing he did not beat izzy izzy beat him the entire fight and one punch ended the fight from alex Pereira. one punch izzy beat him up the entire fight alex Pereira was losing every single round until he got clipped one time that is what's called the puncher's chance every fight i ever entered i had the puncher's chance because i never took anything seriously and the fucking person always trained harder and better than me um the uh the i i just it's 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 if izzy wants to make a, a, an example of him out of kickboxing that's one thing but i just feel like the guy could literally take him down and be on top of him and just did what francis and did to say whoever uh it is uh you know it's it's just it's like Ciro Gan. Ciro Gan was clearly the better striker. Have you ever seen Francis Ngannou strike? He looks like a giant action figure that you're holding its arms and trying to strike. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> he's a fucking giant. It looks nuts. Uh, then you see him go against someone like uh, like um, Ciro Gan. Ciro Gan, who used to train with him, is an elite kickboxing striker. The guy is fucking sick. He can land on his front foot while throwing a jab and land on his back foot on return and expects you to come and does exactly what Izzy does. He will drop an uppercut, left hook on, on falling back. He can he can literally slip and return such a, a clear counter that it's like you're getting hit by 10 punches. And yet, what happened? The, the better mixed art, martial artist grabbed him and slammed him to the ground and beat the shit out of him. I mean, it's just what happened. It's because mixed martial arts doesn't depend entirely on these things. That's why I always tell people, who would win in a fight? A grandmaster who came up with this kung fu or this style a thousand years ago or a fighter today from the UFC. The fighter would beat the living shit out of the grandmaster. And even like people like Miyamoto uh, uh, or Miyamoto Mushashi, like this is a person that developed the initial skill set, not the person that took every lesson learned for a thousand years and honed them into one force and started being able to throw you into the air and then land on you with a like it's it's all the same now it's all one thing these people cannot come into the thing with one skill and think they're going to dominate they never do alex Pereira has already lost in mixed martial arts in in seven fights he already lost one that's that that's not what izzy did izzy lost when he took on another weight class a dude that is way bigger than him way fucking bigger Easily, I don't care if you punch me in the face, Izzy. I'll just grab you and slam you. That's that's UFC. That's mixed martial arts. That's 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 all. That's it all. Second, you get away from that thing. 
Dorothy, welcome back. I love to have you here. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm just talking about nonsense. Let's look through the Google tags before we get out of here. I got to get out, get going. Let's look through the Google tags. What do we got here? What do we got here? San Antonio. Weird balloons taking photographs of. People think it's plasma. Great. Aviation experts are asking, why is the United States Air Force still operating multiple F-117s? It said, it's been 14 years since his retirement, but the F-117 is still flown routinely out of a few different bases. Does anyone know why the F-117 is still flown today? Sometimes seen escorted by F-16s and F-15s. I don't know. Got no idea on that one, but the question's being asked. Why is the F-117 still flying if it's been retired? And why is it accompanying active mission or active assets from the Air Force? Who's everyone's saying hello, Ryan? I don't see anyone in the chat that's saying their name is Ryan. Who's Ryan and who who are they? Am I missing? Oh, Dorothy saying, back with my buddy Ryan, listening in blow by blow or count of the fight. I'm typing my friend Ryan. So Ryan says hello to everyone. Stranger gone. Thank you for being here, Ryan. First time listener, Ryan. Let's give him something. Let's give him something good to take home. Important that we give him something good to take home, Ryan. If I could add one president to Mount Rushmore, it would be James Polk. Not because I agree with his politics. I have no idea what that guy looks like. That wasn't that good. We'll move on. <laughs> to me, perfect sex is like a car wash. You start by lining up right and going in slow, and you finish when three Mexican dudes run up and furiously towel you off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Looking through the Google tags. I don't see much going on here, folks. We might have to skedaddle. Might be the end of the show. I need experiencers. Dorothy, please join my experiencer panel to talk about your sightings and your experiences you had when uh, some time ago. I would like, if you're interested, please email me. Strange Recon. Anyone out there? Let's get another experiencer panel. It's been a while since I've had one or been involved with one. And if you are an experiencer and you're not sure what it is you witnessed, maybe you have some information to provide. Maybe it's never even been properly investigated. Maybe your description is really detailed and you have no idea this aircraft exists in secret and we could help out. Or maybe it's just 
you can't debunk your story and something weird definitely fucking happened and no one knows what's going on if you're interested please let's get an experiencer panel going rob please join anyone out there who's had something rather remarkable happen to them they feel that is you know it's it's hard for them to believe that this is human i know what it's, i know what it's like man i know what it's like and i certainly don't believe that all these things are human that wouldn't make any sense but I do believe uh, they're worth talking about and looking to see if they are and what things we can exclude from the list of possible explanations. So no judgment, no nothing. There isn't something where I'm just going to go, this is all drones I never have and I never will, okay? But do me a massive favor. I'd like to put together an experience of panel. I know a bunch of you out there allegedly have experiences. I, I'm fascinated by your personal paranormal experiences, be it something in the sky, something in your bedroom, whatever the hell it is. Let's talk about it on an experience panel. Coming up the next couple of weeks, I would really like to get to you people together. Let's talk about it. Leave a comment below if you'd like to be involved. Email me at strangerecon at gmail.com, all that good jazz. Leave a positive review if you could. Don't rip my guts out. Just go find a different show if you hate us. Recon, remember what I always say. Please look for things, how they appear to be versus how they actually are. How they actually are, it never shows up right away. That alternative perspective that shifts it shifts you and, and, and exposes, shines some light on the truth, doesn't come right away. It doesn't come easily. It doesn't leave the grasp of those that have the truth easily either. So wait, please wait to look and look for things how they actually are versus how they appear to be. And as I always say, Recon, keep it weird and keep your third eye peeled. And all you Super Chat people today, thank you so much. I can't fucking wait to buy some food and pay some bills. Thank you very much, Recon. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. Or maybe not. It's Saturday. I don't know what I'm doing Saturday. Maybe. Maybe I might do some field work. Take it easy, Recon. The Statue of Liberty is setting a bad example for women. I mean, when times get tough, you just can't stand there for years holding a torch, doing nothing. All right, take it easy, Recon.